Hey, 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 what's up, people? It's your boy. It's T Ryan. That's T E A R O N, period. And you are listening to a special edition episode of the Ubiquitous Blacks podcast. And that is because this is our first omnibus. Um, if you don't understand that word, then this is our first show that gathers up a whole bunch of episodes and puts them into one. <laughs> but in this case, it's not an extremely long episode. It's pretty much highlights all the cool and amazing, just awesome guests that were able to spend time with us last year in 2020. And I wanted to do this to not only shed lights on some of my favorite moments of those episodes, but also to introduce to new listeners what it is we do and the kind of fun we really have. So I pieced together this list this best of, if you will, not really best of because I don't want to kind of give a definite list there, but some of my favorite moments and favorite conversations from the previous year. And to kick it off, I'll start at the top and kind of break down to you all the just um, overall original concept for Ubiquitous Blacks. The overall concept um, is very literal. It's it's in the title, Ubiquitous, meaning being found everywhere uh, in abundance and black being you, being me, being um, all the amazing people who have come on the program and just share their time with us. And really, it just came out um, of a dream of really leaning into the overall idea of Pan-Africanism and having conversations with black people, no matter where they reside or where they're from, and realizing that we all do have a common ground and trying to build that unity. I find that a lot of times we have a lot more in common than we think and than we know. It's just really a matter of us having conversations and really using those conversations to build an appreciation for one another. And the more we communicate, the more we get together, the better it is for all of us because we're really a lot more alike than we know. And those differences, those minor differences that come up really should be celebrated because we're not monolithic in our experiences. As much as the world uh, views us in those ways, we come in so many different avenues and from so many different backgrounds. We speak so many different languages. And I don't think that's taught to us enough. I don't think that that is, um, there's an emphasis put enough on that. And that's what I wanted to really do with this podcast. So some of the conversations you get are silly. Some of them are just downright, you know, <laughs> just us bullshitting and throwing stuff against the wall. But a lot of times within those, you you get gems, you get educated on moments, ideas and concepts and just overall things that you may not have thought of. And we get to share those together no matter where we are from. And I hope you can join me on this journey as we go forward with all the amazing things we have planned for the new year. And I could go on and on, but I don't want to stay there. I kind of want to get right into this. So the first thing I want to do is shed light on the roots, how, how this started almost a year ago at this point. But those of you who have been with me since episode one, you may have noticed some changes. You may have noticed some things take a different turn over time. And that is because um, my original co-host, my partner in crime, isn't around as much anymore. And, I mean, you know, there's no getting around it. <laughs> so really, it just came down to just logistics. 
you know. 2020 was a hard year for everybody. And, you know, it was it was just really hard to produce an, an international podcast with myself being here in the States and my co-host being in Nigeria. And it was, it was just a whole lot. We, we, we did the best we could. We um, took a strong swing at it. But it really came down to just a matter of just the right timing. But still a friend to the show and still a friend of mine, someone I enjoy communicating with and am grateful to have connected with and started this process with. And I wanted you all to be able to get to know a little bit more about our Yoruba boy, none other than Florian, Florian YP. And I'll let him say it. I'll let him talk to you. So what would you say to a young person, you know, probably like yourself, adventurous, get into a bit of trouble, but they also want to, you know, perform or they want to move to a bigger city and kind of pursue their goals. And you know, it's not easy. How would you encourage them? But don't, don't answer me in English. <laughs> okay. Though I skipped the part that I was quoting, moving from different houses to, I don't want to dive into my story. So I had to skip all those parts. Anyways, and your modesty at the Agbalagba, Tongbo, Nibite Bawa, the feather be flow flow, be that the flow be flow right, be your call, yeah, ni future, no. A lady, mommy and my fellows, see, ni future, my gents or almost up. Uh, ni, in what he, I'm a mommy for you, but boy, in the way, care for juicy, in Cotabansi, care for Cambalo, care see, Ma Jeki in Kokikiri, Kujeke Madanu in Konla, Tenli, care for coincident to whatever is Kessi Berolon, Kessi Loto, Kessi Jeki Nuindu, Bumu Kotebansi, Emma Jeki Nuindu, Kemma Jeki Nuima Baje. So basically, what I said in your is <laughs> That's so dope. <laughs> Do you know I spoke, I just spoke Ibado Yoruba. Ibado Yoruba is different from the general Yoruba. <laughs> I, I um, shedding light on that that moment where because if you are from the um, the Western world and you, you're growing up black, you don't really associate other tongues with your experience or other languages with your experience, but. There are so many of us out there um, who speak so many different languages. And so I really wanted to kind of explore that and allow um, Florin, who is just able to kind of go in and out speaking Yoruba and speaking English. And and I wanted to kind of take that moment to allow the podcast to really feel, <laughs> feel that that dose of uh, internationality that I was talking about. And then um, that kind of rolled into other moments like this where, where we kind of try to dive into some um, learning like Nigerian slang, right? But the conversation got real deep, real deep for a moment there. And I enjoyed where this went. And, you know, well, you can listen. Just let me know what you think. To be honest, yeah, you got to be teaching like... me stuff because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, uh. You just let me go out there and you just leave me to my own devices and let me just figure this shit out on my own. You got to be teaching me stuff. Okay. I know some Nigerian slang, 
but I don't necessarily know how to use it. So you got to like run through some shit for me. Oh, okay. teach me and teach the listeners so, just a few things. I mean, come now on. on this episode, I mean, I heard looking that crazy. Was Jean. <laughs> Go ahead, teach okay. teach us some stuff. Okay, because uh, I need to know. Okay, I'm going to teach. Mm-hmm. So you got to re- you got to bring it back in for me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I talk to you as if you were in Nigeria. Just Before bring it back like, for oh, me. Oh, this guy now, Akata, in a good way. See, Akata is Black American now. Is that not Akata what is not now? Now, okay, see, what Akata into some mess. I heard. I heard Akata is not even nice. Akata is not nice. Really? It's not. No. Wow. What does it mean? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's basically like an insult to AA. What? I'm telling you. It's an insult Akata? To, to what? To to African American people. To African American people. Yes. Well, I it's not ever used in a insult. in a way to like be endearing. Oh, really? Who told you this? Really? Really? I oh, never uh, called you an Akata before. The... It's popped into my head. No, because why would you? Why would I? Exactly. But who told you this? You're not the only Nigerian person I know in the world. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I know. Ask. At, you may not use it that way, or you may not see it that way. But yeah, Akata. Akata. It's not Akata. It's nice. Akata. Oh, okay. Can we switch the topic, please? Nobody wants to talk about See, Akata. Exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. No, seriously. That why can't we talk about it? We're talking about what we're talking about. I mean, what would do you, you have me do? How how do how do you translate Akata? How do I translate Akata? I used to think Akata is um a white person or someone from another country not necessarily white someone from another country that's how i i translated it never mm. knew it actually means nigger i didn't say it means nigger damn okay if it does not mean nigger why would it okay, be I'm gonna insult l- to aa to the aas okay so i'm gonna read it to you just because we're on the uh, topic because okay. this is what i learned and th- and this is just confirming it so Urban Dictionary um, describes a kata as so. It says, um, contrary to popular opinion, Urban Dictionary, which is just black dictionary. (laughs) Okay. It's just the slang dictionary. But um, contrary to popular opinion among non-Yorubas and some Nigerians or Africans, Okay. Who uh, does not understand the word akata does not mean um, cotton picker or slave and is not derogatory. However, the way it translates is um, it means a cat that doesn't live at home like a wild, non-domesticated cat. How is that not derogatory? Wait, say the meaning again. So akata is basically it means like a cat. That is non-domesticated. Oh, really? A cat that is so domesticated. Basic, right. So basically, wow. it's like really? a stray cat, a wild cat that isn't doesn't have a home. A stray cat, so yeah. when you're using that in reference to 
an African-American, which is what it's generally used for, you're basically saying to them that they're a stray. Wow. Yeah. So that is the word that Kata is how, very deep. It's three cats. Wow. That means African Americans are wow. Who used so word? basically it's like it's you, here you are. Yeah. Wow. Akata, um, I thought, why don't you know that? Why would you say why don't I know that? Do you know everything yeah, is that, not that happens that... around you? Oh, okay. I try to. See, now, the more we get together, the more we learn. That was the perfect example there. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not for you, but for me, that hit the nail on the head because there's no way we would have ever gotten to have an understanding about a phrase and how it affects one another or how it translates over different people, you know? You have to you have to have those conversations. Otherwise, you just go on and on, just misunderstanding each other, and that's and that's no way to be. But with that being said, I am ashamed in the listeners. <laughs> I'm ashamed of you all because this next clip was from an episode that became the most listened to episode of 2020. I will say, and the reason is because we just. Kind of got into a bit of sensationalism. There was a lot going on in 2020, and I wanted to kind of get away from the effects of COVID-19 and quarantining and things like that. So I, myself and Florin YP at the time, we <laughs> we decided to really dive into um, some celebrity gossip. So just take a listen. Like, you know, um, he put his all into... Um, a relationship with building a relationship with uh, Jada Pickens Smith um, mm-hmm. and said that she um, helped him in ways and such and such. And then the main thing was like, he said that if he um, were to die today, he could die knowing that he had a chance to experience like such a level of love that a lot of people never get to. <laughs> it's really deep shit. Right. <laughs> but the whole time, if it like it comes off to me as like okay the plan was we're gonna do whatever we do you know i'm older i'm a cougar i got mm-hmm. this good stuff and i'm and i want to have some young fun every now and then mm-hmm. so it's your job to just you know do what you do but don't get attached we just fucking <laughs> <laughs> So he he started getting attached. See, that's the thing. You got to be careful when you're dealing with older women. There's no you can't fuck around. You mm-hmm. just can't. You just can't. You can't be like twenty something years old or nineteen years old dealing with someone that's like thirty five, forty years old because mm-hmm. that woman is gonna fuck you up. There's no way you can you can get with that woman, especially if she has like kids and a and a um a husband and 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 then she's a woman of power. Mm-hmm. What can you do? You you cannot get involved in a situation like that and then come out the other end it's the same show. as you were when you started. <laughs> exactly. But but you know that 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 grown woman pussy, you can't just you can't just go. It ain't for everybody. It ain't for the weak. 
It's girl with my pussy. It's time for the week. It's time for kids. At that point, she she's had kids. She's she knows how to control what she's got. She knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And all you got to do is show up and shut up. If it was me, <laughs> show up and shut up. If it, if it was me, if it was me, I would totally like play my part. I'll be the side nigga for a while. I'll be whatever I need to be, but I'm gonna fuck my way into like I'm at least gonna have like a home paid for or a business or something. I'm gonna exactly. need something out of the situation. And I and, and ain't nobody gotta know. Exactly. We did what we did. Ain't nobody gotta know what happens behind closed doors. That's exactly. another thing. That's another thing. If you this agree you to are... something behind closed doors, if you agree <laughs> to something as an adult behind closed doors, and you decide to get in your feelings, don't go back and be like, "Well, actually, this is what you you a snitch at that point." <laughs> Why would you do that? You fucked up a good thing. Uh, you, you fucked up a good thing. She, but, let me tell you something. If if it is true. Th- before you tell us something, Jada, you just Jada fucked the shit out that boy. Yeah, and he and he became she a cry cry baby, <laughs> a cry cry baby. Because yeah. you because you fuck you fuck with the right you fuck with the right older woman. When mm-hmm. you you done you, you what you can you do but sit there and go to sleep and wait for her to make you a meal or something and sit there <laughs> and just cry and wonder what you know. There's nothing you could do. She just be like, here, here's a PlayStation game, and you sit back and <laughs> the you PS5. shut up. I'll be back. I shut up, show and up, it, I shut up. If it was me, I play my part. You know, I bet they got a big ass and old big ass mansion, right? Ah. I just find pick me a room in the mansion, and you ain't yeah. got to hear from me. You ain't got to see me. <laughs> yeah, I ain't got to. Ain't nobody got to know I'm there. I ain't got to receive mail there. Just exactly. knock on the door and let me know. You know, when exactly. it's time for me to come out and do what we need exactly. to do, and I'm going back in the room. Just exactly. feed me. <laughs> feed, feed me and just fuck feed me, and me and I'll fuck you good but you know you just made an advertisement for yourself now <laughs> I still um, I still crack up just thinking about that whole conversation I don't know what it was that day or what kind of got into it but the, the podcast definitely took a shift and it, it's so silly because I try to stay away from things like that. I try not to feed into it as much, but y'all loved it. Y'all, y'all listened to the episode <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll try to lean into that some more. I'll try to bring back, you know, some more um, lighthearted news or celebrity gossip and kind of lean into that more comedic side of myself. I try to dial it back. So I try to show a different side of me, but I, I mean, I can go there if I needed to, <laughs> but you know, we'll see what the new year brings and see kind of what happens, but switching gears, uh, 2020 again was a lot of a lot going on and a lot of celebrity news. And one of the big things was the um, passing of Chadwick Boseman. And Chadwick Boseman was a celebrity who kind of went out in his peak. And then I think that, shook the foundation of just all that was going on in 2020. And it kind of got our attention off of things for a bit to kind of switch gears because as if it wasn't already enough, by the time this happened, I don't know, we, we stood still for a moment to enjoy uh, a legacy. And I got to enjoy that with the lovely and beautiful Versi Jean who came on the program as uh, just a friend of mine who I, I've gotten to know over the years, um, the past few years anyway. And we we got to know each other through 
you know, being uh, into the same kind of music because music is the one thing that really ties a lot of us together. And Percy, bless her heart, she's so she's so innocent, she's so pure. You, I, you can't get it. Probably can't get her to cuss. You probably can't get her to. I don't know. I don't know if I ever even heard her be angry. She's so sweet, and she was able to you know, share time with me and talk about the um, just overall legacy of Chadwick Boseman and really what what all that meant at the time. Um, take a listen. You know what else I'm gonna put on my vision board? What you gonna put on there? I'm gonna put images of scenes from like Black Panther. I'm gonna put that in there. Yes, and, and, and yeah. why? Because like I don't know, because I eventually like um I enjoy um creating things and I I enjoy directing. So I'm so like envious of Ryan Coogler for one. And then two, I just it was just like such a like pivotal film in terms of what it stood for and what it did, even though it's just like a superhero, you know, film or whatever. Right. But it was so much more than that. And it became such a movement. And then in light of um, the passing of Chadwick Boseman Mm. and, you know, the impact of that, I think it would be befitting to put that on my vision board for sure. Amen. And even speaking of Chadwick Boseman, like, man, I'm just like, I'm so like, I'm so cut up like about, about his death. And Mm -hmm. I feel like him and uh, Kobe Bryant's death really. 2020. Right. 2020, man. Like, but it really shook me like legit. I don't think I've ever cried for or teared up about someone I didn't know, but for both of them, like it just, it really shook me. And I was like, just like super upset about it. But now, you know, a week later, um, all I can do is just have gratitude, you know, to the both of them for sharing, sharing their, um, their gifts with us. And, you know, just, just to see, like, especially uh, Chadwick Boseman, to really see him fight past this disease and produce so much amazing work during that time, in spite of what he was going through, is very, very encouraging to me to just continue forward in my life with those same, with that same strength. You know, I pray I never, you know, God forbid I ever have to deal with cancer because that's a, that's a beast on its own. Fuck cancer. Right. Oh, right. <laughs> it's it's true though. It is so encouraging to see, like, in spite of what's going on around you or even inside you, that you can you can continue to push forward and things don't have to be like, oh, um, what's that picture of peace? You know, mm-hmm. there's a picture on the internet of um on the internet of peace. And there's a dove, a dove right in the middle of all this chaos. And it's like, normally our, our picture of peace would be, oh, the sun sun is shining. Uh, You know, I'm sitting in green pastures. Um, Right. You know, like this is my vision of peace. But I think it's really dope to be, 
even though it's hard and it's real life, but to be like the dove in the middle of chaos. And I think mm-hmm. we can reflect this back to COVID. You know, we got all this stuff going on around us, but like we can still operate in our purpose. Oh, that was good stuff. That was awesome. Really good conversation there. Definitely check out that episode if you don't. Um, if you haven't already, definitely go back into that. Um, thank you, Bercy, for the uh, insightful conversation. One that I re- revisit myself quite a bit. Now, um, just to switch gears slightly, another thing that was wreaking havoc in 2020 were Karens. Okay. Karen, Karen, Karen. <laughs> I'm sure anybody that's um, actually a decent person that's named Karen is probably so pissed off that this became a thing, but uh, it's so befitting. But anyhow, I actually took some time out with my good friend, a lady I love and adore, Miss Dot Amisha. She just she came on the podcast and we were able to just kind of powwow about a lot of things. But one of my things that I enjoyed the most was breaking down to her (laughs) the origin of Karen's. And it's so funny because the Karen phrase being popularized or pushed through and tied into the legacy of Chadwick Boseman was so um, ironic. I didn't realize it until I kind of was telling the story. But you'll you'll see what I mean. <laughs> just just check it out. Listen, listen. Really, one thing that I don't understand is why instead of calling these um, women Karens when they act up and they lie on black men and they just do unruly shit and get people locked up and get people killed or whatever, why are we not calling them? Um, what's the what's the lady that lied on Emmett Till? What's her name? Oh, I almost called her out her name. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was going to call her Miss Millie. I'm going to call her Purple. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to tell you. Because I guess, um, her name was, uh, what's this bitch's name? That's what I was going to call her. But. They can't handle adversity or whatever, right? So they act a fucking fool because somebody mm-hmm. told them no. You know what I mean? So they lie and they scheme and do shit to get things to go in the way that they should. So we should be calling these bitches a bunch of and then, and then they're the victim at the end, even when it's... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah, it's so I don't know why we don't victim. call them that. But that's that's my first initial stance with, with what I'm where I'm going. So we should be calling these bitches Carolyn's, but we don't. She okay. was the one I want to change it. She was the one that... Um, made it popular to do that. I feel like they were doing yeah, it anyway. Yeah. But when she got, you know, her spotlight on it. Yeah. And they were like, oh, so, that's a first thing of all, can do? <laughs> oh, it's like, oh damn. So I can cry rape and not, it's nobody's touching me. Right. But whatever. <laughs> Miss Millie. But um so that's first. So we should be calling them Carolyn's instead of Karen's. But Karen got popular because what happened was because you know as as we do, we melanated few. We 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 take things and we make them popular, right? Mm-hmm. So take it back to um the Black Panther uh promotional tour, right? Okay. So that's when um all the stars of the film they go around and they do different, you know, shows and shit. Mm-hmm. Well, Chadwick Bozeman that he did Saturday Night Live, remember? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> 
So they did the um the Saturday Night Live. They did the Jeopardy, and he was um T'Challa on Jeopardy, and they spoke about the potato salad. Yes, (laughs) he spoke about the potato salad with the raisins, and he said he named the you know the lady Karen in that skit. Right, Mm -hmm. go back and find, go back and see, go back and see. Oh, I remember. So then, so then people took that and they started. It started with just potato salad. So people was like on social media. Every time somebody, a white person would post their food and it'd be blended like, eat Karen, what you, you know, you know right. put raisins in your potato salad or Karen, Karen ain't even seasoned her chicken, you know, and it kept going from there. So then it, when these videos started coming out in droves where it was just all these women acting a fool and they was just like irate, ridiculous white women, they were Karens as a result. And that's where it came from. Thank yep. you. I, Thank I, you. You did a good job of that. Uh, those analytics sound very solid. Um, yeah, I, I tracked it back. I you tracked, tracked it back. back. <laughs> you did your research. Good job. It, I just because I, I was like, when, why? When did we start calling? And yo, because because there's some people they think it's cute now. They think the shit's cute. Okay, I um, the job I'm working at, right? This lady calls in and she's demanding that her internet works better than what it is. Right? Was it my mama? <laughs> no. I'm joking. Disreg- but just like disregarding <laughs> but like disregarding the fact that everybody's working from home. Right. And the internet ain't gonna be what it is. It's gonna be dragged down some. Right. She was like, my internet's slow and this, that, and the third. And she was like, and I need a credit and I can be a real Karen, you know? And she was like, and I'm like, and I and I'm looking around like, that's not cute. You know, who wants to? So she's taking pride in the fact that she can be a Karen and okay. thinking that her being a Karen is gonna get her more of a discounted rate or credit on her account. And I was See, like, Well <laughs> See, that's the thing. That's the thing. So they think <laughs> When we have something, they never really quite get what it is that we're doing. It's like the electric slide. You know, we we can do the electric slide just because they have the steps down. They think they got it. But then they look at themselves next to us and they're like, uh, how come they're not throwing their shoulders out of socket? Because we ain't doing all of that. Y'all <laughs> doing too much with it. Let us have what we have. We're going to call you Karen and, and let us have that. You can't call yourself Karen. That's that's not yeah, how it no. She tried to she tried to reclaim it and, and yeah and, no it's but, not. But, but was proud of the fact that she wanted more or wanted to make demands and complain to get her way. The and so essential. she was like, I can be a real Karen. I was like, that's not nothing you should be wanting. To what be. it means is she knows that she is a Karen most of the time. Exactly. So she's tried to tone it down since there's a label on it. I was like, get the fuck out of here, man. Get the fuck out man, of here. Karen's. <laughs> yeah, I'm working so, my share of Karen's, and I'm just like, I had to uh, retire from being the angry black girl at in corporate America. So I can yeah. see. Well, you know, sin. you know, all you gotta do is all you gotta do is take a deep breath at the wrong time, and you're the angry black girl oh, in corporate America. So exactly. <laughs> All right, and you could tell at the end there we were about to go on a whole other tangent um, with Misha saying that you know it's so easy to be viewed as the angry black woman 
in corporate America and how she kind of had to get away from that because it wasn't for her. But that takes me into another conversation I had with um, a fellow podcast or fellow podcast host, I should say, um, Tierra and Tisha of the uh, Coping With It podcast, um, which also started last year and is one that I really enjoy. But they two, the two of them are both black women who work in corporate America, who uh, worked together, and that's how they kind of got to know each other. And, <laughs> and they shared some of their um, silly little stories and just shed some lights on the ideas of black people in, in, in certain environments. It, it was hysterical. Oh, my goodness. That that conversation that probably could have went on for three or four episodes and I would have never gotten tired. It was hysterical. But check it out here. Just dive into this with me. Um, how did you all like meet? How did it how did what's the early days of like Tisha and Tierra? Like, how did you all I know you said you worked together. What did you all work at? Well, we're not going to say that where we work. Yeah, well, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I probably did. It. It if you could, uh, if you could describe <laughs> where you worked at, so we worked for a media company, but we worked in more of a corporate setting. So not in the creative side, the fun side, the side that like we're on now with podcasts. Much more of the like corporate end of it. So we met that way. She worked at a different office than I did and she got promoted and she moved to the office where I was. And I remember another guy friend of ours was like, at the time he was like, oh, it's about to be Chocolate City up in here. Now, mind you, the only <laughs> black people were me and him. And I said, it is not about to be Chocolate City up in here. <laughs> it's going to be me and her. It is not Chocolate City. <laughs> if it's so, chocolate, if it was Chocolate City there and then you were there, Tierra, it was like okay, you know Chocolate Chocolate with like white chocolate chips. You know, city, you know what I mean? This is why I don't like you. Exactly. Anyway, but yeah, that's basically how we met in a work setting. You know, the three of us held it down for the black people. Tisha, was there one one other person that was black? I can't Jamal. Remember. Jamal, but his name wasn't Jamal. We're gonna bleep that out. We don't want you. <laughs> so his name, his name was not Jamal. Okay, we're calling him Jamal. I can't. Yeah, we called him Jamal because, like, we would see him in the elevator and be like, oh, there goes Jamal. But see, Jamal wasn't like, you know how we do the head nod or the smile or, you know, we know I see you, you see me. Jamal wasn't on that. So yeah, I remember, I remember one time I was telling, because this is why we came with the name Jamal, I was, like, telling Tierra, I was like, Yo, I just like head nod him in the elevator. He looked away. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 okay, okay, okay. Hold on, pause real quick because <laughs> for for those of you who don't understand, is that there's this there's this thing just like growing up black. There are these gestures that you kind of learn, and the head nod is is one of them, right? So. <laughs> The head nod, I because I, I can visualize it right when you say, it, but some people may not, so we kind of break it down to them. But so there's 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 several different head nods. Like there's different head nods that mean different shit. And Tisha, you'll have to set kind of let us know which one you gave him that made him turn away. <laughs> but, but there's the head. Okay, so there's the um there's a street nod where it's not exactly a nod. It's more so um exposing your neck and clicking your chin up. It's more more territorial, so that's more of a like a sup, sup, right, right. It it don't mean like hi, nice to meet you, right? It means like sup, I see you, I don't want no problems, kind of shit, right? 
So there's that. Then there's the downward nod where you really just kind of tilt your, tilt your invisible hat, if you will, to someone. That's more of a kind gesture. It's like, and then there's like nods with different facial expressions, but you get the idea. Teacher, which nod did you give this dude that made Jamal turn away? Like, what the fuck did you do? <laughs> I mean, I would say it's the it's the in-between of the first and the second. Like, I was just doing a kind gesture, but just let him know, like, hey, I see you. What's up? We were both going up to, you know, the floors that we work on. And he literally just turned his head and didn't acknowledge me. So... <laughs> I felt some type of way because I was like, I mean, I understand we're not co-workers, co-workers because we don't work together. But like, I'm black, you black. We're like four black people here. So like, can we not just say hello? But whatever. If 2020 so, has revealed anything, it's that it reiterated that all skin folk ain't kin folk because you got some of your cousin them out here. Baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, we know that. Gosh. Well, T-Rod, I know... I know your show is international, so do you want to explain? So, like we were explaining, like we were saying, his name isn't mm-hmm. Jamal. We just named him Jamal. So, do yes. you want to give a little context as to why we might have been using the name Jamal? Now that 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 one's gonna that might throw me a little bit because okay. I don't know. You, you might have to you might have to school me on that, but I'm gonna it? guess. You yes. guess. I'm gonna guess that. I want you to the guess. J- Jamal would mean okay. So Jamal is like a um, like a like a pretty black dude name, right? Yes. yes. Would you say? Yeah. So yeah. so calling him Jamal is in fact calling him the very opposite of probably how he behaved. So he was probably behaving like a Brad. It sounds like. <laughs> so just because you acting like a Brad, then we're gonna call you Jamal. Is that was that the, is that the idea? Absolutely. Did I get that? Yes, come on, context clues. That's absolutely it. <laughs> well, I was gonna say yes, that and the fact that I didn't know his name, and that was the whole uh, jump around okay. that as well. Well, Tisha, maybe that's what happened. Maybe, no. maybe when you went in the elevator, he was like, "Sup, Jamal," and no. he nodded, and he was like, "No," and he looked away like, "That's not my name." <laughs> so first of all, I don't talk to people, so that's obviously not what happened. I literally just nodded at him. He pretended he didn't know me, and I forgot what his name was. So, so when I was trying to tell Tierra, I was telling like her and you know our coworker the story, and I was like, I, I don't remember his name, but he's like Jamal or whatever. I don't know his name, and so that's how like the joke of Jamal came up, like. We didn't really know his name. I didn't care to know his name. And he was nobody to me after that interaction. So <laughs> he was Jamal. For the longest, I forgot that, like, I remember the story, but I forgot that she had kind of just thrown out the name Jamal, right? So for forever, when I would see him, I'd be like, oh, there goes Jamal. Like, I seen Jamal. And, like, at one point, teacher was like, you know his name is not Jamal. And I'm like, oh, no. I thought, I didn't know. I thought his name was Jamal. I just assumed it was Jamal. Because, again, Black American name. Let's just roll with it. Works for me. It'd be like, well, it's a white man named Bob. I was just like, oh, that's Bob. Well, yeah, it was funny because our like our white co-workers were like, you guys, his name is not Jamal. And we were like, oh. <laughs> I too forgot that his name wasn't Jamal because I just made his name up in like a fit, but um, we just kind of went with it, which is hindsight twenty twenty. I realized that's kind of disrespectful, but yeah, that's rude. That's rude. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll admit that I'll take the L for that one, but I still think he should have nodded back at me. So, well, I'm, amen. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not gonna <laughs> let that go. 
See, see, I told you it's it, just hilarious. Truly, it is important to understand just how to treat each other in certain environments and as fun and silly as we can get with our nuances and our jokes and things. It's just part of the culture. It's what we do. But um, there is always a flip side to that. There is a flip side in a conversation I had with um, the author, Paul Lamar Hunter, who came on the program to put an emphasis on positive messages of uh, just education and family and the importance of what that is. And the conversation I had with Paul Lamar Hunter was one that one that motivated me quite a bit. Honestly, there was even a moment where um, after we recorded that episode and I was kind of going through my day to day things and I had a moment like, well, I just was having a really good day. <laughs> and one of my friends was like, hey, what did that what did that guy say on the episode? And so kind of referencing the all the quotes and all the points that Paul Lamar Hunter made throughout the incredible moment we shared. <laughs> It was just, it was, I don't know, he, he just, you could just tell he came from a pace, a place of passion and it, it just really resonated quite a bit. So I kind of have a few quotes from the episode that I reference to or think back to whenever I need to kind of get myself recentered. Um, it helps a whole lot. So I want to thank Paul Lamar Hunter for that. Just check out some of the gems he was driving because that boy... <laughs> That boy was preaching, okay? <laughs> I know that you come from a rather large family, to say the least, but also um, your family has done quite a bit in the community in which you were uh, brought up. Tell us a little bit about your your roots, your upbringing. Well, I, I am Paul Lamar Hunter. I am the 19th child out of 21 natural children. Yes, my mother birthed 21 children by my dad. 17 of us living today, 63 grandchildren and 87 great grandchildren. And by the way, I believe that my story will invoke a large range of emotions that will make people cry, make people laugh, and most importantly, change people's life. Let me tell you, as soon as you said that, I had a range of emotions right then because I was like, whoa, wait, how many? <laughs> you know, I, I I tell people all the time, they're like, you know, you know, when people ask you about your family and stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm the youngest of five. And I think that's a lot. I think that is a whole lot. But you said 21. Are you like my family? We have this theme because it's five of us, but everyone's name starts with a T. Does your family have a theme or all the names, like do the names rhyme? <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you keep up with 21 names? Can you name everybody? Like if you were to run through it, you could name them in order? I can name all of my siblings um, in order. And we don't have a theme where everybody starts with a P or starts with a J. Every, you know, I, my, my brother. You would he, run he, out of names, yeah, I think. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> You would run out of because you start with Paul. That can be like a Priscilla, maybe, um, maybe even a Presley. Yes, but after that, I start to get Patricia. Okay, I'll give you that. But man, I start to run out after that. I, I don't know too many P names, <laughs> so that can't be it. So, but I can say this: we have every alphabet practically covered. <laughs> 
Let me see how there's, there's 26 letters. Right. Yeah, you probably. <laughs> What what is what is well I guess I I don't know maybe I shouldn't ask this but when were you, when were you born I was what born year? I was born October sixteenth nineteen seventy a great year for me <laughs> okay so that puts you around let me do my math and we carry the one okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm fifty oh. years old <laughs> I looked at my family lineage. And when I discovered is that no one in my entire family on my mom's side or on my dad's side um, graduated from college. So I took it upon myself to go to college and be the first to lay the foundation. And that's what I did. Right. I was the first in my whole entire family to graduate from college, Upper Iowa University in 2012. I have a bachelor's of science in um, business administration. Also, I have an associate's degree from Gateway Technical College in supervisory management. And you have to understand, no matter what happens in life, I don't care how your circumstances are, your purpose, your purpose is always bigger than your circumstances. And that's what helped me. I don't look at my family lineage and say, you know what, since none of them graduated college. I'm not going to graduate. When I look right. at my family lineage, I told myself that I can graduate from college as well. No matter what the circumstances are, my purpose is bigger than my circumstances. So I made history. And when I say I made history, I made history. I made history for the next generation. I made history for somebody that is listening to this interview. You know, I made history for my nieces and nephews and cousins and relatives. You know, it is it is a blessing to be the first because somebody has to lay the foundation in the family. Now I have my nieces and nephews graduating college. They are nurses. You know, they have degrees, you know, they are managers, top managers. They are executives. So somebody had to lay the foundation and it was me. Right. All right. So the importance of um, family and unity is something that I think we've gotten away from quite a bit with, you know, as everyone being separated and not seeing each other as much as they were. Due to the global pandemic, I know that changes the family dynamic quite a bit, but the family is important. And one of my favorite um, episodes here that I'm going to roll into uh, is about a, a new family, the, a married couple who are just crazy in love and had a had a baby at the top of the, the year, but found the time to come onto the program and I should say that they were the first guests to appear on the Ubiquitous Blacks podcast, so they could put that on their resume. <laughs> um, but collectively known as Bama Delphia, Bama being Alabama, and then Delphi being referenced, of course, to Philadelphia. And that is Lydia Renee and Brian Renee. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not that's not Brian's name. I just say that because Lydia is like, I don't know. She's just so incredible. 
and Brian just loves her to pieces. <laughs> so, you know, Brian's like, you know, he's Lydia's husband. <laughs> no, no, truly they are both just great individuals who I enjoyed having a conversation with. And it was so natural for us to be able to get together and just shoot the shit. And not for nothing, they are both true just gems and Hollywood hustlers on the rise. Let me let me say that. Um, both you may not see them at the forefront all the time, but they're really working, working out there in Hollywood. But, you know, you have to dig and you have to kind of go back and listen to the episode to see, you know, what they're all about and what they do. And and I encourage you to definitely uh, look them up and get into Lydia's music. She's a phenomenal vocalist who you can almost just set your watch to just like a big moment for her. I feel it coming. And they have a beautiful daughter who I just adore. I can't say enough about them. And vice versa. Right. And that's what same. I was going to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, following up here, what were your all's, or what do you feel like were your all's like example of um, just what a strong like black couple is? Because I myself, I find myself not thinking, like when I think about the future, I actually don't think about things like marriage and stuff. Like I legit will somehow justify in my mind. I'll be like, I just rather have a kid and by myself. It's and I I don't know where right. I find the justification, but I also my mom was only married one time and then she was divorced, and for the most part she was just it was just us and her. You know what I mean? So right. what were your examples of like? I know you know because you Brian you spoke about the tropes and everything. What were your examples yeah. growing up of like a, what a relationship should be? Um. Great question. Uh, I think that you know I'm I'm I asked you earlier about you know you being from Kentucky or from Alabama, so I know there is a little bit of an element of that that is um that's you know my background you know I'm from Birmingham and you know I grew up around I grew up seeing a lot of older black folk who and the reason I mentioned Birmingham they saw some hard stuff together you know what I mean like these right. old folk down there saw segregation they saw Jim Crow they saw all that so they it, it ain't just a relationship it's like yo this thing is bonded by <laughs> by fire a little bit so there were a lot of relationships that I saw like my own parents this year they just celebrated their 36 year of marriage and um and see. like yeah it's wow you know yeah. um, you just don't see that that often anymore, you, you, you know? don't you don't see it a lot like there was that and then like I said at, at my church um growing up there were a lot of older black couples together so we was oh they're celebrating their 20 year their 30 year their 40 year like and it was so regular that in my mind that's just kind of how I knew, like, when you get married, this is what it is. But I do know that in getting older, um, we as younger folk, like our younger generation, um, mm-hmm. it's just a different way that we approach marriage and that we kind of look at it. Like, I know that there are like I know the divorce numbers. Clearly, they always telling black, you know, them divorce numbers is 50, 60, 70 percent. I'm like, we get it. But that's not everyone. And we want to do what we can to emulate the relationships that we saw growing up and not just to be there for the sake of being there, but like to actually be there and be a fruitful relationship, like pour into somebody and have them pour into you in return. Right. And then Lydia, I know like um, 
you always uh, bring up your parents sometimes on social media and stuff. Your mom, right. Lydia's mom, guys, is like 21. Like, I don't even know how this oh, is possible. <laughs> <laughs> she is. I, you can't tell me otherwise. I'm like, she just was able to like go out and buy a drink. She you looks so, so useful. But <laughs> what was your um, example sort of growing up? Um, definitely my, my parents. Um, they still act like teenagers. They're still crazy about each other. And um, that's what I yeah. mean. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're such a great example. And their friends, everybody got married young. Um, you know, everybody was broke and couldn't afford a ring but they was there for the love <laughs> they were like i love you so i'm right. gonna marry you and everybody right. got married at like 19 20 and have been together for like 40 years my parents just celebrated their 40 year anniversary but <clears throat> they're That's still awesome. very much passionate about each other they still do things together um, they still try new things. They're adventurous. Um, they learn technology well. They do everything. And they've always been a great example. Um, and also their friends. Everybody's still married. I was blessed to see so many um, thriving couples, Black couples, um, that were my um, godparents, my best friend's parents, everyone's parents, and not everyone sees that. So I always right. saw great marriages mm -hmm. and that love and marriage was a wonderful thing. Um, and I also had great um, black male role models in addition to my father, my grandparents too. They were married um, for almost 60 years before my grandfather passed away. Wow. So that's all I know. And I know that's not typical for most people, especially in the Black community. I was that little girl that had the kitchen set, the baby, <laughs> the uh, uh, fake wedding dress, the Easy Bake Oven at like two years old. And yes. I was that little girl that was... Go ahead. Were you an only child? Yep. There it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, Brian, so were you. I so mean, I'm just saying, though, like, yeah, Oh, he is. tried to answer that, but didn't want to say. <laughs> as if going. he is not. As if he didn't no, grow I mean, up no, as please, the only continue. child. Well. Tell, him, tell him your story. This I'm listening. Oh, I'm okay. Listening. Thanks. <laughs> you know, the, the world is small. And most black people... African people, everybody knows each other, especially in Hollywood. Everybody just knows each other. The, the degrees of separation are uh, small. And that brings me into a conversation about spirituality that I had with the artist known as Osmosis, who actually is mutual friends with the previous guest, Bama Delphia. And I thought that was so cool because you, you get to know people and you, you know, get to chat and it's like, oh, hey, yeah, I know them. Oh, hey, yeah, we, you know, it, it's it's so funny how small the world is. is all. But this conversation about spirituality um, I had with Osmosis was, was one that really, really opened my eyes to the person that I was speaking to because last year I was able to direct a music video 
for Osmosis. And if you haven't checked it out, I'm going to make sure to put it in the show notes or his uh, single Love Some from his uh, Project Expressions. And that video was so much fun to make. I I definitely got to put a link in for that. I got to kind of know Oz a little bit better when we when he came on the podcast to just share this time. So check it out. For me, it was like you were providing sort of um, a level of escapism or more of a um, it seems like you are an artist who really wants to provide sort of an immersive experience yes. more so than just the music, because Absolutely. you kind of get that in just just your look. Right. You right. have, you have a, a distinct um, identity, like people see you coming mm-hmm. and surely you do that on purpose. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I want you to see me. I'm, I'm coming. <laughs> How tall are you? 5'10". Okay, so you're 5'10". Not as tall as I look. And then and then everybody who's listening, when you, when you, when you, because you got to think, we're on an audio medium, so we kind of have to paint the picture, but <laughs> <laughs> y'all, so Oz is, um, is this performing? He seems to, honestly, when you, when you see him, he seems like he's probably like 6'4". I'll give you a 6'4", like, height is that fair i can give you that <laughs> i could i but, get that i mean if i didn't know me i would probably think i was a pretty tall dude so see of course <laughs> but um I, you know somewhere in the sixes i would give you but um i was also like well when he's performing anyway he will boast this this hat right this whole like look and the hat will eventually add how many how many inches is that? Is that? <laughs> it's probably about almost close to a foot. Like, it's a foot. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not a foot, maybe like like a like a, eh, it's probably close to a foot. <laughs> what is what is the um what is that the the look mean to you? Like or what do you what do you try to invoke when when you kinda get ready for stage and you know, you kind of want to create that image. What is, what are you going for in terms of being Oz? Um, you know, it's really just initially to get everybody focused on, you know, what's going to go down. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> that was really, the hat was really just a look I liked. It really had no like definitive meanings or anything like that. However, um, if you ever have gotten into like energy, you know, it's like I'm bringing the magic. I'm bringing the bringing the power, bringing the healing. You know, you know, there's a lot of your a lot of your cousins don't fool with that foolishness. Now. They don't. They sure don't. That's why you know, I just <laughs> I have to you know it's give it's bit by bit. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, some mad hat or hat. You know, <laughs> oh you trying to switch it up? Like, oh no, it's not that. It's not oh, bad. it's Abe Lincoln. Oh, it's. <laughs> have you ever went to like have your cards read? Um, actually, yes, actually can read cards as well. Yo, I've always wanted to do it, but I never actually have, like, I always wanted to do it as authentically as possible. I don't know if that's even a thing, but I've all, what, what, what was this? When did this happen? How old were you? I'm four, when I was reading cards. Oh, you were, oh shit, man. Mm-hmm. You were reading cards? Yeah, I, I can read cards. <laughs> Hold the fuck up. I thought you just were saying like, because I was just thinking, asking if you ever like, you know, had, went to go and like, you know, have someone read. But you you were actually doing tarot? Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, uh, I have a deck here at home. 
And I know a thing. Oh. I know a thing or two. <laughs> tell me, but tell me, tell me, like, how did that come about, or how did that interest sort of sort of like happen? Well, like I said, you know, it's not like I just woke up one day and was like, hey, you know, I'm gonna do some tarot cards. <laughs> but I've kind of always had a strong um, affinity for spiritual things, and um, you know, just the spiritual world, et cetera, et cetera. Just like most of us grew up super, super heavy in church, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so that would and like when I say heavy and see the thing is everybody feels like they grew up in church or whatever right no 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 I grew up in church like I grew up underneath the church you know you what I mean like I grew up in the church and we was in there like you know it's like six out of seven days a week sometimes you know and um, mm-hmm. yeah like it was living in the church so in that kind of religious spiritual environment you know, you witness a lot just in itself, you know? And, um, so when I was younger, when I was like a teen or like a young teen, I already had a very like automatic, you know, alignment with, you know, (laughs) something bigger, you know, Mm -hmm. something like this out there. So by the time, um, that seed just always just grew and grew and grew. And then it grew beyond what I understood in terms of just like my community or, you know, the church and things like that. It really became a thing of, you know, just me just searching within myself, you know, in various different scenarios, whether that was, you know, you know, just various things could take place. You know, you can meet certain people to come along and kind of change the dynamic of things or change the way that you're thinking, you know, as you grow and you grow and you grow. So over the course of time, you know, I always had like a very sensitive, I always had like a sensitive ear to like, you know, what the room is doing, what the spirit is saying you know, people's energies. I've always like been able to pick up on that since I was a kid. Even like my dad, you know, told me once that I always had like an ability to kind of size somebody up and pick up all their energy. Like as soon as I met them the first time. And so as I got, I didn't really understand it when I was young, but then when I got older, I really started to experience it. And, um, so then like slowly, probably like maybe two years ago or so I was already kind of, you know, open to like readings and, all the kind of stuff. And I had people around me who was doing that kind of thing, whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. But then I started just thinking like the more I got to actually understand what it was uh, for me, it just became more of a translation tool for what I already, you know, my personal gift that I possess. Cause all it is, is just reading energy. It's not like Miss Cleo and them, like everybody thinks, you know, one thing I love and adore is being able to talk to artist on the rise and just continuing that I think I'm going to always kind of reserve a spot for creative minds who may not be on everybody's lips or may not be household names just yet to really allow them to come on and be able to share time with them and one person that I really enjoy doing that with uh, again another person you can kind of set your watch to because she's she's coming strong singer songwriter rapper like i didn't even know the girl could rap until we kind of got into it but that was uh in my former co-worker and friend leanne that's l-i-y-a two n's and two e's she told me to say that <laughs> so that way you kind of get it right but um she has a lot of great music out there which will also be in the show notes and i think you all will will really in Admire her. 
Like when you try to piece together a song or when you finally get ready to go in the studio, like, do you go in there and you know, hey, this is going to be a single or do you kind of record and then eventually decide, oh, this ain't going to fit on a full project. Let me just put this out as a single. Like, what is your what is your process in approaching different tracks? Like me, I'm on the run with it. I'll be at the grocery store, you know, just listening to some beats, like, you know, trying to write something down real quick. And sometimes it'll just come to me. But at first, I was more or less always focusing on one song at a time. Now I'm like multitasking with songs. And I'm like, I want to get a little project out because I feel like I see a lot of people that's super, super consistent. You know, you don't want to rush your craft at all. But I feel like I want to put out another project already, even though I just put out one earlier 2020. And I'm already like, you know, people's the single's just gone. They they ready to hear a whole album. When the next album coming? Everybody always asks, when the next album coming? Uh, Well, I'm working on it. And so now I got the mindset of I just want to group. I work I work on two and three songs at a time now. I can't just work on one song at a time. So sometimes I big I get I get blocks, which I'll get up, you know, a couple hours, book some studio time, go in there four hours, and I know I'm working on four songs. But if I have a song where I'm like, I gotta get this song done, it's hot. Like, watch me get it. I had to get that song done. And it was just hot. And I'm like, let me go to the studio, get a quick little two hours, get it done. You know what we uh, we are just going on a, a tangent here, but people, I don't think people really understand like how we even know each other. <laughs> you know what? They just they just don't know. We just jump right into this shit. I did. <laughs> what's your what's your recollection of meeting me for the first time? I want to hear because it's pretty. It's got to be pretty much the same. But what? But you never know you what know, people's because uh, because. I'll, you know, I'll go ahead and say we, because we worked together at one point, but we didn't yeah. actually work together. We didn't work on, we weren't even like in the same uh, department, I don't think, but no. we worked in the same place. So, you know, you see people and you know how like you just pick up on certain energies. And so some people you just click with immediately. You so it's like, we didn't have to work together to really get a vibe for each other. It's just what it was. <laughs> well, what's yes. your, what's, <laughs> what do you recall? Cause that's all I remember. I don't remember the exactly what I just remember being like, I see you, you see me. Ha, we cool. And it's crazy <laughs> because I know for a fact it's been it's been years now that I've been knowing you. And I literally yeah. called my boyfriend and I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna um do this podcast. And he was like, he's like, I've never heard. He's like, I ain't never heard you bring him up. I was like, Yeah, I was like, it's crazy. I was like, because I know him good. I was like, I know him, but I, you know, saying we don't really hang out. I was like, but I love him so much. And I said, when I was telling I was like, when I met him, he was just smile, he was just so happy. He was just genuinely happy, smiling, like but got good energy. Like energy is real and that it just it just goes a long way. You just always had just a smile on your face, just ready to help me and then you just, you know, I, I just love I just love me some you. I do. <laughs> I do. But yeah, we did work together and we wasn't even around each other and I feel like we still like and we vibe. It was, in passing. it was weird. <laughs> it was. It's always in passing. We're all it's always and that's the it. love is still that's strong. It's it's I'm getting better at trying to take compliments and stuff. It, it's hard for me to just be like, oh, thank you. Or I think I appreciate it. I just don't say anything when people compliment me. I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of fucked up in that way. But uh, Leanne kind of broke me. She uh, let me know of her admiration of me. And she already knows I admire and adore her so much. 
and wish her nothing but the best. Now, there are artists on the rise who we have uh, shed light on on the program. And then there are people who have already made it. Okay, Um, truly what I like to call walking, breathing masterclasses. And one of my favorite people in the whole wide world who I am so grateful to have crossed paths with and have uh, worked with and spent time with on the road. And that is um, Sharon Harris. Sharon Harris is, you know, that um, Shaka Khan song, I'm Every Woman. That's Sharon Harris. I, I kid you not. Matter of fact, that's that should be here like her theme song. I, I mean, she has done it all. She has seen it all. I'll, I'll have to let you go into the episode that she was on with us so you can kind of learn more about some of the things she's done. But but she was able to come on the program. And for a long time, I had been asking. I was like, oh, tell me about these stories. Tell me about these stories. Because I know Sharon knows a lot of people and has been in the game for a long time and worked with a lot of a lot of celebrities that you've you know known your whole life. Sharon has sort of been there the whole, for the whole ride, and I know the stories are probably just like endless. But anyhow, she finally gave in to my begging, and she shared a story working with the legendary Barry White, and it's one of my favorite little stories. I was just so enthralled in that conversation, like. I don't know. I feel I'm, as she was telling me the story, I could just picture so many things in my mind. Um, but it was just a really good moment. I'll let you all listen to that. And I do also want to say Sharon being the um, entrepreneurial businesswoman that she is, um, putting an emphasis, an emphasis on black women in business is a huge part of what I would what I want to do here uh, on Ubiquitous Blacks. Because even though it's a male driven show, you know, we would be nothing without our queens and I, I will always make sure to you know shed light on that and Sharon fits the mold perfectly and sets the tone perfectly for what a woman and a black woman uh in business could be yeah I just can't say enough I love her to life is that time period <laughs> life serious Okay, so that was really interesting. And this is probably one of my favorite stories because, you know, I, I know you, you know, ask me for stories all the time because, you know, we've worked together and known each other. And, and I was like, I don't have any stories, but I do have a Barry White story. Um, and I hope it's a good one. It is a good one. I think it's a good one. And that's all that matters. But anyway, <laughs> so um, I got a call from an, from a local talent agent. And she said to me, Barry White is looking for musicians and specifically female musicians. And hmm. um, quite honestly, I, you know, I had a lot of anxiety around it. I was like, you know, I don't know because, you know, the competition and I was... What year was this? This was 95. This was 95. Okay. And... I remember I was living, I had, you know, moved out here from, um, moved to Los Angeles from New York. I, I was living in Pasadena at the time. And I had just done something with MC Hammer. We did Pumps in a Bump on Arsenio Hall. <laughs> so, so if you, that footage, and I, and I have seen that footage, it's blurry. 
I'm gonna go look because it, it was up. like on VHS, but you know, I did pumps in a bump with MC Hammer, and I was one of his keyboardists. So you know, I get this call that Barry White is looking for specifically female musicians, and I go okay, and so I'm immediately. Uh, going through my library of Barry White because I grew up listening to Barry White. Right. The thing I loved about him, he influenced me so much, not only with his musicality, but I loved strings because violin was one of my first instruments. I played violin and cello growing up. So um, I just really loved how he just fused just the popular feel of the time because it was kind of like, we were, you know, it was coming out, out of disco or he was kind of bigger and, you know, disco soul age. And, mm-hmm. um, and, but he had these strings on there. And so there was this classical element because I grew up playing classical, but I was in this chasm of being this little black girl from Mount Vernon, New York, listening to all these different types of music. But this was like the complete amalgamation for me and, and just articulated so beautifully. So you know, I'm listening and listening and I'm getting nervous because they're like, okay, he wants to see you. And I'm like, oh my God, Barry White wants to meet me. Oh my God, I gotta, I gotta play one of his songs. And I'm like shaking because I had this major anxiety thing going on. So the audition was at the Beverly Hilton Hotel on, where is it? It's on Wilshire and Santa Monica. So he had a suite there. Mm-hmm. And everyone's in the in, in the lobby, and I get there, and there are all these women in the lobby with their guitars, and I was like, "I'm a keyboardist. Do I need to bring a keyboard? What do I need to bring?" <laughs> and so they're like, "No, you don't need to bring anything." I'm like, "Oh, okay," because <laughs> I was a little green still, you know, even though I had been doing some things. It was early, kind of early in my career still, and this was like a big artist. So right, um, so we're, we're lined up, and then. The agent that um, that set the whole thing up for me, she says, "Okay, you know, well, he'll he'll see you now." So I get into the elevator with this big dude that was like Barry White big because he was he was like massive. He was like six three, six four, just one you know to me anyway at that time. Um, it, you know, just so I get into the elevator, go up, walk down the corridor, and then. Uh, we knock on the door. This other gentleman opens up and he's like, Hey, how you doing? Real cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> just opens up the door. And then um, he's like, Oh, just stand right here. So then I go into another room in the suite and here comes Barry White in his smoking jacket, his pajamas <laughs> <laughs> and monogram shoes, like classic stereotypical Barry White. And I'm like, Holy wow. crap is what I'm thinking. So <laughs> I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, I don't see any keyboard in here. I see like a sofa. I don't, I'm, this is an audition, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I'm like, this is an audition, right? Oh. So um, he like, he's like, hey, so, you know, how are you? And I'm like, great. And I'm, really nervous and stuttering. And so he goes, so you went to Berkeley? And I go, yeah, I went to Berkeley. He's like, ah, oh, you know, solid. You know, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so like dope. everything you think Barry White would say, he was saying to me. So I was like, oh solid. my gosh. 
all right, all right. Then he's like, well, what sign are you? I'm like, Pisces. He goes, oh, my <laughs> daughter's a Pisces. I love Pisces. <laughs> so then the other guy comes up and goes, so uh, you read music? I go, yeah. He goes, oh, yeah, you went to Berkeley. You read music. Great. Okay. Um, that's pretty much you'll be hearing from us. Bye. And I was like, what the what? heck was that? <laughs> So then the same dude, same dude calls me, Jack Perry calls me and says, all right, so you're available to travel. You got your passport. I go, yeah. He's like, all right, I'm going to send you some music. Hold on. He hooks it all up, sends me stuff. And I'm like, okay, does that mean I have the gig? (laughs) 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 And it meant I got the gig. I did not have to play a thing. I never played for him before I met him. I've never gone on an audition like that. And he was like, he was like, oh, it's easy. Ice cream changes. Yeah, really, really easy. You know, you you got it. And I'm like, huh? I you know, no, you guys got an orchestra behind you all the time. No. And I'm kind of <laughs> freaking out, you know. But it was, it was fine. It ended up being absolutely fine. And I ended up working with him from 95 until the end of his career. So I'd say it was about 2001, I think, or maybe 2002 that I did my last job with him. Probably, yeah, probably early 2002 that I did Mm -hmm. my last job with him, which was pretty good. And, um, and another interesting fact is I never got fired. And, (laughs) and I'm going to tell you why that's interesting. He fired most of his band members every time we came home. Hmm. So every time we went back, he would go. Somebody I, was I, gone. I, somebody was gone. And I get a call from Jack. Okay, we're going into rehearsals. We got new background singers. We got a new drummer coming in. We got, you know, a new. I think we had the same bass player because he had the same bass player for years and years. Um the guitar players, one of the guitar players came in with me and it was not for the record. It was not an all female band. We were not the love unlimited orchestra, but he Mm -hmm. had a lot of female musicians because he loved working with women. Tying in those creative minds on the rise, women in business, these two young ladies here that I was fortunate enough to be able to have a conversation with, or another um, fellow podcast called Poppin' After 30. And these two are her best friends who came up with some really awesome merchandise. And I'll make sure to leave links for that in the show notes as well. But they are... <laughs> they are hilarious. If you have not listened to the Poppin' After 30 podcast, please treat yourself into that. These are young women in business who are going to be future Sharon Harris's, you know what I mean? Just women doing so many things and and something I love to see. Check out this moment <laughs> where we had a conversation. <sighs> I, I, I just love to love La La and Key. <laughs> Check it out. Tell the story. You tell it. You tell it. <laughs> oh, Lord. So me and Kiyosha had an invisible beef um, on the campus of California State University, Dominguez Hills. 
Um, she was like we said earlier, she was in a student government and I was in a sorority. We just did our own thing. And I had a couple of issues with a few of her friends, her bestie, um, her boyfriend at the time, he was whack as fuck. And um you know that was whack. He wouldn't agree. Yeah, yeah, he's whack. Hindsight is is twenty twenty. Right? A whole wake up. But before so, sight is twenty twenty one. But we'll get into that too. <laughs> honey, you preaching? So yeah, so we kind of had a beep. I think um, at one point in time we had ran against each other because somebody suggested that I join student government. Now, mind you, this is her her world. But they wanted me in there. So I'm like, okay. Um, the president at the time, he was like, Lala, I want you to run for social commissioner, social activities commissioner. And Kiyosha was supposed to run for community activities commissioner or some shit like that. Somehow the wires got crossed and me and her ran against each other. So she ended up winning and I was like, man, fuck her. And um, her boyfriend was in my face, like, I can't believe you thought that you were going to win. Like, he was just a real asshole. But after that, I was just like, you know what, forget her. Like, I don't know her like that. This ain't my world. I didn't even want to do it. They trying to talk me into it just because of who I was on campus. And they wanted me more involved. So I lost. Then after that, I got kicked out the dorm. And it was one of her good friends. Did you drink tequila, too? I was. I wasn't, I wasn't, but it was a girl I was fighting with and she, she said I hit her with a broom and I did it. Me and her were just arguing, but the girl, wait, 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 you can't just skim over that. You can't just skim over that. Let me jump in here. Let me jump in right in this moment. Okay. Listen. Wait, wait. Let me tell you, listen. So the universe has been trying to get me and law together forever. Okay. The one thing that Law always forgets is that we were supposed to live in the same dorm. The day that Law got kicked out the dorm was the day that I was moving into that exact same dorm. Yeah, see how she got me kicked out? <laughs> listen. Oh, so she listen. she got your she took your spot. No, you no, 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 no. I was taking somebody else's spot. <laughs> what had happened was what had happened was before I could even get to the dorm. La and my good friend at the time got into it and I came in on the tail end of these two arguing and screaming outside of the dorm and then you know the RA gets called the head RA gets called and they're like La you gotta go like I'm tired of you you gotta go and we like what happened yeah they um kicked me out the dorms the girl her best friend in the whole wide world has said I hit her with a broom and that was not true <laughs> so and, it wasn't a broom it was a mop it was not neither. I was I was cleaning <laughs> up the house and she had come in and said some quick shit and I just went off on her. And I told them when they because they at first they was like, We're gonna call the police, we're gonna press charges. And I was like, first of all, and there's no other witnesses. Um, and they were like, Well, she got marks on her face. And I was like, her boyfriend beats her. That's marks from her boyfriend. They're oh, old. Shit, like I went in and then I was like, so at the end they just was like, Well, we're gonna kick you out the dorm. So I got kicked out the dorm. So by then I was like, fuck you. Ocean, everything she stands for. Whoa! Oh my God! <laughs> she has had some quite Happy. a bit to drink. It sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know you, when the liquor starts flowing, the truth starts flowing with it. So I was so irritated with Kiosha, but 
Um, we didn't talk for again since then. I don't even think I've seen her. And it wasn't until she had moved to Atlanta. Um, a mutual friend was like, hey, you know, Kiosha moved to Atlanta. And I was like, mm, okay, whatever. Like, I don't care. And then we ended up kicking. And I think the first time we kicked it, we went to the Jazz Fest. Where did we go? To the Jazz Fest. To the Jazz Fest, yep. And um, we had a good time. I was like, okay, she cool. And then we kicked it a few more times after that. And I said, okay, that's bae. And then we kicked it again and we started going on trips together. And I was like, oh man, what the fuck? I've been thinking this whole time. This is my soulmate. Like, what the fuck? Like, we super duper cool. And then through that relationship um, and our back and forth, we were like, let's start a podcast. And we was like, let's start a podcast. Let's start a podcast. And so we started recording ourselves randomly. One trip, we was coming back from um, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And we started just recording our conversations, the shit that we would talk about, the uh, the jokes, the everything. We started recording it. Then we was like, okay, let's take this seriously. Um, and so this past July, we had created Popping After 30 Podcasts. Um, and then we started, you know, we was just starting to build the empire. We got to start to build the team. We got the editor and the graphic designer and the second pigs and the concept and the topics. And it just kept growing until right now in December. I can't even believe the collaborations that we had, the people we've met, the growth that we've had. We almost had 3,000 downloads. Come on, downloads. hundred followers on Instagram. I mean, just we're both working and it's all because of this friendship. And I honestly think if we probably would have been friends in college, we probably wouldn't even be friends now. Because you know how friendships, female friendships work. Oh, goodness. Those of you who have made it this far, I want to say I adore you and appreciate you. And you are the reason that we um, are continuing to develop this podcast and continue to grow and try new things. and. Hopefully, make this something much bigger than myself, much bigger than just you and I. And before I get into this last segment, I do want to remind you that this is a two way street. You can communicate with us on social media. Just search um, Ubiquitous Blacks, you'll find us. You can also email us, ubiquitousblacks at gmail.com. Leave us questions, reviews. And actually some pretty exciting stuff coming up soon. And then also the um, upcoming ubiquitousblacks.com should be launching soon. And I'm really excited about that. Just having a um, a place online where people can kind of centralize or look up information, find out things they need to, but also communicate with us. That Again, this is all about communication and um, shedding light. So whether you want to be able to be a guest or leave a review, have your voice heard, have ideas for the show, whatever it is. Um, I want to be able to open that avenue up. So ubiquitousblacks.com is coming. And also we have some dope ass merchandise on the way, which I'm really excited about designing uh, merchandise for ubiquitous blacks. Don't even get me started. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to see where it goes. We'll, we'll revisit that. And again, everyone that you've heard on the show, uh, will be referenced in the show notes, all the related links to um, their works, to their social media, etc. are also going to be in the show notes. So make sure you go into that, get to know these amazing people, follow them, connect with them. And, and yeah, I'm going to go ahead and sign out here and leave you all with my favorite episode of the year. 
And honestly, it's the it's the second most listened to episode of 2020. And I want to really just give huge gratitude to Zach Jones. Zach is someone who whose career I have followed since since early on. As, as, I don't know. I, he he really he really fit into what I enjoy about an artist. And it was so cool to be able to connect with someone that you spend so much time looking up to. And then you have that conversation with them. You know how they say you shouldn't meet your heroes kind of thing? That wasn't the case here. I, I always um, admired and uh, enjoyed Zach Jones' work immensely and always really want, even now, really want him to be able to grow and be seen by a larger and larger audiences because he's really an incredible talent. But the conversation we had was so mellow. Was so chill. It's probably that Jamaican vibe. <laughs> it was so chill. We just really connected in a way that I'll always be grateful for. So, Zach, thank you for your time. Yeah, this this is my uh, favorite episode of the year where we just got together. We talked about spirituality. We talked about, you know, the effects of what 2020 was doing with us as creatives and business. And I don't know, it just was really um, natural and I enjoyed it a lot. So I'm going to leave you all with second most listened to episode of 2020, but also the my personal favorite conversation. Um, and I encourage you all to revisit this episode and so many more. I want to thank you again for being on this journey with me. Again, I have always been T-Ron. That's T-E-A-R-O-M period. You can find me on social media at T-Ron World. And then also you can follow us again at Ubiquitous Blacks. I think I've said enough for now. I love you all and I am out. Yeah, for the upside, I would say, I would say like, it's definitely given me a lot of time for, so there's a couple of things. Introspection is one, like I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say, I mean, I don't even want to say what I am or I am not, but I'm, a, mm-hmm. I'm definitely someone who likes to like work on myself, not just for the physical or not just for what it looks like on the outside, but for the inside, you know? So like definitely like to, um, I mean, I definitely think it's a point of duty for me to like, find out what my you know like just just your inner work you know inner work what your insecurities are like all that type of stuff and see how best you can you can work on that type of stuff you know to make me a better person not just studying um the craft of what i'm doing or you know being a good businessman it's about like being a good person for me so corona definitely gave me a lot of time for that and it has given me and i'm still doing it you know i'm still doing the work where right. I see it necessary, you know, we always have work to do. I think Absolutely. also like outside of that part of it, musically, it's given me a chance to, to, I think it, before Corona, I was like doing a lot, definitely doing a lot. And I think a lot of people's lives were like very fast paced at the time too, you know, mm-hmm. like just a lot was going on. The world was like moving at a very rapid pace. I don't know if you felt that too. Like it just felt like everything was just fast pace, you know? Um, yeah, I was on the so road. It's, it's definitely, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, she was just fast. So it's just like, when it did slow down, it, it gave me time as well to like, get back into 
Um, a lot of like the studying that I do when it comes to like what I do, like with the craft, like with the music, get back into listening to albums back to front, you know, with time, get back into like listening to like ebooks and business and that type of stuff. And outside right. of that too, um, get, there's a lot of people that I've been able to work with, um, during Corona, like a lot of other artists, um, that I respect and look up to that I've been able to work with and, um, build relationships with that. Probably if Corona wasn't here, that wouldn't be possible because they'd exactly. be on the road too. Everybody, you know, so and I might be somewhere busy. else. So it's yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's it's definitely give given given people time to connect to others and themselves, you know, which has definitely been an upside, you know. Yeah, and and I and I agree. That's like that's like the biggest um the biggest thing for me is just like finally having that time to slow down and. I myself, um, I don't know about you, but I'm like, I grew up the youngest of five, right? And just my immediate family alone at this yeah. point is a large family. All my siblings have children and everything. And we yeah. tend to be. Oh, um, shit. So wait, you got kids, bro? You said what? You got kids? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> a few. Dude, that, dude like, few that could you, I'm like having kids right now. Would be the craziest shit. Nah. I would be on edge yeah. 24-7 if I had a kid right now. 24-7, bro. Yeah. I'm like, like, watch me, your I come in and I, I want to, like, chill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I, I get in the house and I want to chill, bro. Like, I get I get home from wherever. But there's a studio exactly. where there's the office and I want to chill, bro. Like, I don't necessarily want to be, especially in this time, you know, with all that's going on, I just want to chill, I want to Yo, turn and, my phone and, off. And, and honestly, shit, like, yeah. before this, like shit would come yeah. up and they would and somebody would hit me up and they'd be like, Hey, um, there's this thing coming up and we gotta be in New York in a couple of days. So you need to get on this yeah. flight. And I can just be like, Oh, just yeah, like cool. But if I had a yeah, kid, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, well shit, let me see if nah, somebody gonna be <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I, that's that's and a different I'm not responsibility, yet. man. Yeah, I, exactly. I'm just not there yet. And it's cool. It's cool to be not there. Yet. Yeah, I probably won't be there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I myself, I just um, time will tell. 